Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today. I want to turn to uh, Psalm 145. That's where we're going to be uh, this morning, Psalm 145. And uh, we're just going to take a few moments. If you're new, I know your kids are in here with us. It's okay. All right, if they scream a little bit or yell, it may distract me slightly, but it's all good. Please, we love that you're here with your family, and we're so glad that you're joining us, and we know that these are unprecedented times. And, and, and man, I don't know about you, this is a, a very odd season of life. It's unlike any season maybe I've ever had in my lifetime. Maybe you've uh, been through some, some hairy things, and, and you've experienced some odd things. I have never experienced what I'm experiencing in this season in my lifetime. I mean, there is so much unrest in so many areas of life. You go through the whole, the whole gamut of what we're experiencing right now. There's political unrest, financial unrest, educational unrest, medical unrest, media unrest, uh, societal unrest, racial unrest, and would I even say spiritual unrest in, in many, many people in the world around us. It's just a crazy thing. Many of these forms are here, here and there throughout our lives, and we experience unrest in these areas in a lot of different ways. But man, the specific cocktail that's been mixed up in this season of unrest has been unprecedented in my lifetime, uh, something that I've never experienced in my lifetime. And I, and I feel like it comes with a sense of like weightiness to it that is super unique to the season and time uh, that we are living in. And, and because of that, all kinds of questions arise about our lives, don't they? I mean, because in trials, we in, they, they inspire um, um, reflection. So when we go through trials, they, they inspire us to reflect a little bit. And man, as I've walked through life and having conversations with people inside the church and outside the church, people are questioning pretty much like everything about life right now. As they walk through life, there's so many different questions. Like, when will we go back to normal? Or the new phrase, like, what will be the new normal for our lives, for school, for church, for everything that we do in life? What will it be like in the people? What will it be like in the future? And people are reflecting all parts of their lives and deciding what to take away, what to give their focus and their attention to in this season. And some people are excited to get rid of certain parts of their lives altogether. Like, hey, I don't have to do that anymore, and I don't have to do this, and this is the way we're going in the future and figuring out what's best to give their time and attention to. And can I just share with you, the church is not immune to this. The, the church is not immune to people figuring out, man, maybe this isn't really need to be a part of my life anymore. It, it's not immune to the same thinking that many people are going through right now. So when it comes to people in the church, many people are asking and they're wrestling with, and maybe you're here today. And can I just tell you, I'm just glad you're here wrestling with us, right? Like they're wrestling with, what is the church really for? Do I really need it to be a part of my life? As a Jesus follower, do I, need, do I even need the church to be a part of my life? I get really specific today, like how important is it to praise God together with one body in one place? How important is that? Is it vitally important to be a part, a part of a, a, being a follower of Jesus? Is it vitally important to be in a one place, gathered together, praising God together? And I know many people 
Maybe you're not here today wrestling with, but there are many people maybe that aren't here that are wrestling with and people all around us that are called themselves believers in Jesus. They're wrestling with the fact of, is it super important? So I want to ask you today before we dive in, because we're talking about the praise of God's people out of Psalm 145, how important is it to praise God together? Have you ever wrestled with that? Now, I'll just tell you my, my, my personal answer, pastoral answer, what I see in the totality of Scripture across the board. When you read it from beginning to again, it's a must. It's vitally important to your well-being as a follower of Jesus and those around you that are here with you. It's vitally important that we are a part of one place praising God together. We should never underestimate the importance of praising God in one place together and the witness that the collective church worshiping together gives to the world around it, that God actually uses our praise to advance his plans. And there's many people that are falling prey in this season and in the past seasons and minimizing the significance of worshiping in community together. And sometimes, many times, we forget about passages. There's many passages throughout Scripture that, that highlight, even in Hebrews, that it reminds us to gather, that we can encourage each other to hold fast to what we believed in and what we've confessed uh, to put our hope in, and that we might stir each other up to love and good works together, that I'm not called to live on an island by myself, but God calls us to come together many more, much more than we are here and now once a week when you read the book of Acts, they're doing it pretty much daily as they're coming together corporately together. So, man, when you look at it, when you look at one, Psalm 145, it's an amazing psalm when we come to this idea of praise. Like, what does it look like? Why do we do it, right? And what we're going to see today from Psalm 145 is that in every season, every day, God is to be praised. Like, in every season... And every day, God is to be praised, whether you're here gathered together with other people that follow Jesus, or you're out there six days a week living your life in every area, God is to be praised. And uh, today, we're, we're one more week, to, next week's the last week of our series, Assembly Required, as we've been looking at different psalms that are in, that are like songs for the ancient uh, Hebrews as they sang them together. So when you look at Psalm 145, whether you have a tablet or a phone or your actual Bible together, if you want to turn there. We're going to read the passage in a moment, but just a little bit about the psalm. This psalm is one of the last, or the last psalm of David, and it's a, uh, an acrostic psalm. Maybe you like acrostics, but it's interesting when people wrote poetry, and oftentimes they wrote this way where it was an acrostic, that for them, for Jewish people, literally, it was every verse began with one of the 22 Hebrew letters in the alphabet from beginning to end. It was amazing. And so what they did this for is a number of different reasons. It helped them memorize. Back then, they didn't have an iPad or a cell phone or their actual Bible. They had to memorize a lot of what they read. So this helped them memorize and put to memory a lot of what they did, but also communicated completeness and fullness, that God is not just A and Z, but everything in between. God is all-encompassing, holistically, in every area and worthy of all of our praises we see in this Psalm. And when you look at the psalm, it's just pure praise. When David writes, it's just pure praise. He's not confessing anything. He's not asking or petitioning to God for anything. He's just simply reflecting how amazing God is and then responding with praise. That's why, and this psalm has been called in the past the crown jewel of praise. That he's just, man, extolling and telling God how fascinating, amazing he is. So when we look at it, it's just going to help us understand what happens when we praise God, like why do we praise God, and then 
like how do we praise God. So if you would, let's just read it together quickly. Psalm 145, starting in verse 1. I'm just going to read it quickly, and then we'll make some comments regarding it. So Psalm 145, verse 1, it says this. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Excuse me. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of your might and of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. In verse 7, they shall pour forth your fame and of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and has mercy on all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall be given thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless your name or shall bless you. They shall speak of your glory and your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout the generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all of his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him and all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. And then in verse 21, the climactic ending, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. And here we just see at the very beginning, man, if you notice the first two verses, that David is, is he get, kind of gives some reason of what, pray, what happens when we actually praise. In verse 1, I, singular, will extol your name, or extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever. In verse 2, every day, I, singular, will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. And here's what, here's what you can find, is that when you actually recognize who God is, your response will be worship and praise. Like, there's something that happens that when you finally see who God really is and you experience the grace of God in, in, in a profound way, there's only really one way for you to respond. That's why I love he, uh, Romans 12. And he says, hey, your only reasonable act is worship, and it's your whole life. It's giving up your whole self as a reasonable act of worship. There's no other reasonable response to give to God than other than worship and praise in every season. You see, the circumstances, this is something that goes beyond circumstances. Like, God doesn't change. And I'll tell you, in, in the world we're living in right now, if you allow circumstances or you put your faith and hope in circumstances around you, your, your hope and your faith will go like this, right? Because every day you're going to see something new on social media or the news or whatever. And every day you're going to be like, man, it was a pretty good day. And the next day you're like, no, it's not a good day. That's why my faith and my hope is placed surely in God himself, in Christ alone. That's why my faith should not change and my praise shouldn't change because God is still God today even though it may not seem like it in the world around us, right? Right? And, and worship centers our focus. Like when we gather together and we praise God together, my focus, unless you're on your cell phone, unless 
Maybe your kid gets a little hairy and he jumps, does a backflip off the chair, uh, whatever. You get a little distracted. But when I'm worshiping, I'm praising God. It centers my focus again and my affections on God. And I see God in new and fascinating ways. And the circumstances around me go away that I am just focused and centered on God. Worship gives me a perspective. Praising God gives me perspective as I declare, there's nothing that my God can't do this morning. And I speak that. And I declare that because it's true. Do you believe there's nothing that God can't do? Absolutely. So we declare it. And when I declare it, it does something to my own heart and soul. It gives me perspective that God is big and amazing and other. And I am weak and small. And I am desperately in need of who God is. Right? Worship gives me hope. Man, as this psalm unfolds, there's different ways that it declares that God supplies our needs and satisfies everything that we desire. And it reminds us of that. And it causes me to be grateful, man. In a few moments, we're going to take communion. And every time I take communion, as a pastor, I'm overwhelmed by the amazing goodness of who God is, despite who I see in the mirror every single day. And when I worship God and when I lift up the name of Jesus and sing, sing like we did this morning and hear of God's word, it overwhelms me and it gives me hope because, man, there is no hope within myself. It reminds me of what happens when I praise. You, you know, in Acts chapter 16, you ever read the story of Paul and Silas? Like they were out and about. Uh, they're in prison at the time, but they're in prison because an oppressed girl, they healed her, an amazing act of, of just beauty. So because of that, an angry crowd takes them and their shirts are torn off, they're beaten with rods, and then they're basically put in stocks in prison. And I don't know about you, but the circumstances don't seem too good. I've never been in that place, and I wonder what your response would be in your reality, right? Like, I don't know about you, I'd be like, Man, God doesn't love me anymore. I was just following Jesus. I was doing exactly what he did and what he told me to do. And because of that, now I'm in prison. God doesn't love me. That's what Satan will tell us in these times. God doesn't see you. God doesn't care about you. He's actually mad at you. And I love the way that they respond as they shift their focus from what's going on around them, but who God is. And you read in Acts 16, verse 25, it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I wonder maybe if they're singing this hymn. We don't know. This psalm. And the prisoners were listening to them. Can you imagine the scene as they're singing and praising? And, and even, I think, the jailer was listening. And their witness was their worship in the circumstances around them. The circumstances didn't change their attitude. No praise was on their lips, no matter what was going on around them, because God is still the same. And look what happens. In verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he said to them, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household and they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. You see, God uses our praise to advance his plans. You have no clue what it does to the person next to you when you come here and you sing aloud. But there's some people in this room and this week that had really rough weeks. Man, this week was not a good week for our church. There's a lot of people going through a lot of stuff. 
two amazing saints went home to be with the Lord this week, one of which I considered a close friend. Just a, a rough week, and you have no clue what it does by you being here together. And as we lift up and praise the name of Jesus together, what it does for us as a collective body together. So what happens when we praise God? Man, my mind is centered on the Lord and not on the circumstances around you. I can tell you, when I'm here, I rarely think about what I saw in the news yesterday. My mind is focused on God. It gives me perspective. It fills me with hope. I'll never forget... Um, I think it was about a month ago or more, um, one of the individuals that went home to be with the Lord this week is the last conversation I had with him. He called me about a month, month and a half ago, and he just said, hey, Jim, I need to talk to you, and he's been wrestling and battling with health for a number of years, and he would come occasionally when he could wear a mask before COVID because he needed to protect himself, and I'll never forget, he called me and he said, like we all do, and I do myself, he said, Jim, I'm just really struggling to have hope in this season. He's like, man, you look at the world around us and all that's happening, and then his own circumstances, and he said, man, it's really hard to have hope. I just need some encouragement from you. And that was the last conversation I had with him. And I said exactly what we're saying today. And I just said, you know what? It's really easy to fix our eyes on the circumstances around us. And where I place my focus is oftentimes where I'll put my faith. And if I just focus on the world around me and all the things that are going on around me, man, my faith will start to go down the drain because we lose hope very quickly. And I just prayed with him and said, man, you need to do your best to fix your eyes on Jesus, who's the author and finisher of your faith, and he'll never let you down, and he's there with you, and even no matter what happens in this life, if you go home to be with the Lord, you still win because you're in the presence of Jesus. And I'll never forget, he, he got off the phone and he just said, Jim, um, I'm going to choose in this season to put, fix my focus on God and the hope that I have in him, even though the circumstances in my life are quite different. You see, that's what happens when we focus our attention. When we, when we praise God, it puts our attention, our focus on him. David needed it. Paul and Silas needed it. And I need it. And it's what God does in all of my heart and your heart as we gather together and praise God together. But then you look, why, why do we praise God? Why, why should we praise God? I mean, it's an amazing question to ask, but man, we should praise God in every season and every day because why? Because we recognize who he is. Like I said in the beginning, man, when you begin to see who God truly is and what he has done for you, Man, it is, it is only, your only response is to be able to praise God. And I think that's what happens when, when, when David is writing here. If you read the whole psalm, we don't have time to go verse by verse. But when you read it, it describes the way that David saw the Lord. And because of that, he said, forever and ever. Because literally, David now in heaven is still praising the Lord forever and ever and ever. And the way that he saw God has so affected his heart and his mind, that he said, man, I can only praise the Lord. Why? I mean, just, let's just walk through the entire psalm. I'm not going to read it again, but this is, what it, this is what David's declaring. Why does he praise God? Because our God, his and ours, is a personal God. God says, or David says that he knows him. He's my God. He knows his name. That our God is a king. Not just any king, but he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's a great God. 
Okay, he's unsearchable, it says in verse 3. Our God is active. He's at work in verse 4 and verse 5. Our God is glorious in verse 7. Our God is good and righteous in verse 8. Our God is gracious and merciful and loving. In verse 11, our God reigns. No matter what you think or see, it's not as though God looked down and he lost control of COVID-19 and the world around us, and he's like, man, I'm not sure how to get back. No, he's still ruling and reigning today. He's everlasting. In verse 14, he's faithful and he lifts up the broken. He upholds the humble. In verse 15, he supplies all of our needs. In 16, God is generous and he satisfies. In verse 17, God is kind. In 18, God is near and God is omniscient. In verse 19, God is listening and he saves. And in verse 20, God is a protector and God does what is right. He's actually just. And all of that culminates to verse 21. And he says, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. Why do we praise God? We praise God because of who he is. The reason why we gather in this place is not just because we need some ambiance before Jim opens the word of God. Well, let's just try to manipulate their emotions with some singing so that they're ready and they'll hear what Jim says and they'll actually listen to it or someone else. No, it's because from beginning of the book of the or from the beginning, beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, uh, we see that God is to be praised. And we gather together to do that in this place. Man, it's amazing. If you were to write, Mr. Pops was on the screen for all the kiddos. Man, if you were to write your own psalm or your own list, as Pops said, if you were to start writing all the sentences down, my God is, what would it say? What would your list be? My God is what? Think about that. If you were to write your own psalm, your own list, my God is what? What would you write down? Would it be something like this? What would your lyrics be? Who is God to you? Why do you gather in this place? I mean, honestly, like, you ever thought about that? Like, why do you even come here? I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying, like, do you, do you know why? Like, God is good, and he's faithful, and God is, you know, all the, whatever it is for you, like, I come here because, man, for me, Jesus gave everything when I gave nothing, and I got everything. I want to give my entire life to Jesus. I don't like doing it all the time, trust me. I go kicking and screaming sometimes. But I gather here because I know God deserves all of my praise and my adoration. And there's something powerful and amazing that happens when the saints of God all throughout history gather together, worship and pray and hear the word of God together. God gave me everything and I respond to that. I mean, think for a moment about Jesus, right? And the life and ministry of Jesus. I mean, Jesus praised God in literally every area of life. I mean, he trusted him and praised him and worshiped him in the wilderness and every healing and every sermon in the midst of every miracle as he walked to Jerusalem, as he took up a cross, even in his last breath. His life was an ever-present praise throughout his entire life. Every season, every day, Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the greatest worshiper who ever lived. He's the greatest human that ever lived. He's, he's God himself. And, and Jesus didn't just die to, come to give us an example on how to live. He actually came to die and give himself as a sacrifice and a payment for you and for me so that every time I choose not to praise God, I choose not to worship God with the way that I live, his blood covers all of those mistakes. So he's not just the example, man. He is what I need. He is my guilt offering and peace offering and sin offering on my behalf. And while, man, David uh, is the guy that got to pen the psalm, 
like because the Holy Spirit inspired him to write the psalm. While he did that, he failed miserably, miserably at living out a, a worthy life, right? I mean, we just talked about David last week and his struggles in life, right? David's response in praise and adoration in Psalm 145 and other places is because he, depend, he depended on God for his salvation and everything that he had, just like we do. And that's why I gather in this place. I worship God, as we're going to see in a moment, as it blesses God, because God gave everything for me. I was a poor, broken sinner who had nothing to offer to God, yet, while I was still sinning, Christ died for me. He came after me. He gave his life for me, just like he did for each one of you, if you know Christ today. I mean, no other person can offer that. No other God can offer that because they can't offer what they can't do themselves. And Jesus proved. He came, he died, but he didn't stay dead as we sang about. He rose from the grave victoriously. Therefore, he can give me new life because he has the power himself. It's amazing. And is there anything else worthy of our praise? I would say no. I want to take a moment and pause in our time of scriptures. If you want to get out your communion, I just want to take communion together. <clears throat> I mean, part of me, um, part of the amazing time of gathering together to praise the Lord is, praise God, is being able to take communion. When you talk about worshiping and praising God and setting our affections on him, what happens during praise and worship is that I set my affections on who God is and it motivates and it changes who I am and it allows me to respond in praise and adoration. Man, can I tell you, that is one of my favorite things about taking communion together is that each month we take communion together. Other churches, maybe you come from a church where they take it every week. Maybe they take it a couple times a year. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you need to take it every you know, 24 hours or anything like that. It just says do this in remembrance of me. He didn't say how often. And so here, what's that? We do it on the first Sunday of each month. And man, each Sunday that we take communion together and I just spend a few moments reflecting, fixing my eyes on the cross and all that Christ did on my behalf, it brings me to tears often. Because I know who I am. And when I set my, my affections and my focus on Christ and all that he did, man, I only want to just jump out of my seat and just say, yeah, I just want to praise you, God, because I would have been lost without you. So I thought it'd be great. This is, again, like I said, um, it's been six months since we've taken communion together. This is the first time since uh, quarantine that we've taken communion together. And I think that it's a pretty special moment to be able to do it together. And so I just want to respond here in the middle of the message where we could take the little wafer and the juice and respond and remember who Christ is in our lives and why we respond in praise and adoration and worship together. And so if you're here today, we believe that uh, those who are followers of Jesus, if you've given your life to Christ as your um, Savior and Lord, like, man, we would love to invite you to take communion. If not, man, just, just kind of hang out with us for a couple of minutes. And so, man, uh, if you remember what Scripture says on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a piece of bread and he broke it, which was a sign of his body, which was broken for us. And he took, gave it to his disciples and he said, hey, do this in remembrance of me. Eat this and do this in remembrance of me. And today, may we, as we're talking about all that we have in Christ, remember what Christ has done on our behalf on the cross. 
And may we respond in praise and adoration in all of our lives. Today, let's eat it together in remembrance of him. Likewise, Jesus had a cup of wine and he opened it, he, he held it up and he said, this is the blood of my new covenant, which is shed for you. A new covenant in my blood. And they drank it together and he said, drink it. And do this in remembrance of me. So today as we drink this juice, a symbol of his blood, a remembrance of his blood, which was shed for each one of us on the cross, covering all of our sin, shame, and guilt. Let's drink it together in remembrance of him. Thank you, Jesus. In a moment when we're done, you can take those out and throw them away. If you just set them down for a minute. We want to finish our text together. When you look at the psalm and you see how do we, how do we praise God? If you look with me real quickly, in verse 1 it tells us to bless God's name forever and ever. It's an interesting phrase. In verse 2, it says the same thing. It actually says, Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. It's amazing that we're called to bless God. That's how we're called to praise God, is to bless him. It's an interesting phrase. I mean, I read in other parts of scriptures how often um, we are, it's described as that we are truly blessed through Christ Jesus. I mean, if you remember what the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing um, in the heavenly places. That in Christ, you and I, what we just remembered is that Christ gave his life for us. And not only did he cover all of our sin, he blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So I've been blessed by God through Christ. And it says here, the Psalm of David, it says, every day I will bless you. Man, that's an interesting phrase. You ever knew that you could bless God? I mean, I got nothing to offer to God. What am I going to bless him with? Well, it's amazing. We see here, we can bless God. That what we see is that we bless God because we have received God's blessing. And so we respond and we're bringing him our gifts of praise and it blesses the Lord. That when I praise God in this place with all of you, when I praise God out there six other days a week and blessing the Lord, I'm literally blessing God that, man, I, I often think about this on Sundays when we gather together as we read the word of God and we, 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 we sing and worship and everything we do in this room, that God's just looking down like a father, like, man, I love that. And that blesses my heart. I love that. It's amazing. And for three months, as we weren't able to gather, and we did it in homes with one accord and one body, God looked down and said, man, that blesses, that's awesome. That's so good. That our gifts, our prayer, our praise, our acknowledgement of who he is, our time, our money, our energy, our thanksgiving, and literally all of our lives. So we praise God by blessing his name. But also it says in the text that we praise him by our meditation on his word and who he is. In verse 5 it says, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on the wondrous works I will meditate. Man, you meditated in a while? What it means is 
to ruminate, to ponder, to contemplate, or to reflect on his word and who he is, to continually chew on his truth all throughout the day. Man, when's the last time, I think I asked you this uh, a while ago, when's the last time you read the Bible and, man, you just meditated on that for a while? You're like, man, that just hit me, and you're just chewing on it throughout the day. Can I tell you, there is a connection to these things. If oftentimes you do not feel like coming into this place and praising and extolling and singing, even though you can't sing a tune in a bucket, man, you, to sing and praise God, oftentimes, if you don't feel like doing that, it's oftentimes connected because you haven't been meditating with God. My heart oftentimes doesn't feel like coming into this place and praising and lifting up the name of God when I haven't been in the word of God meditating on the things of God. It's connected. So he says we bless his name by praising his name, blessing his name. We praise him by meditating on things of God. And then lastly, if you look in verse 11, um, we, we praise him when we share it with others. In verse 11, they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of men your mighty deeds and glorious splendor of your kingdom. Man, that I, I praise God when I tell the next generation, tell our kids, tell our grandkids, tell those around me who God is and what he has done. I can tell you right now, we're going to be talking about with our grandkids 2020. What's the story going to be? That God was faithful. He took care of us. He walked with us. That man... It's amazing that we bless God, we praise God by passing it on, passing the stories of God's greatness and faithfulness on to the next generation. And Psalm, and it happens, what happens when, what happens when we do that? In verse 21, it says, let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Now that's interesting. Did you notice how it started? In the very beginning, it says, I will extol you, my God, singular and king. And then he ends at the end with, and let all flesh bless your name. He moves from I to all, singular to everything and everyone, individual to communal, that we would, all people would bless the name of the Lord, that our worship, our praise is our witness. And we're called to in every season, every day to praise the Lord. So, I'm pretty sure, as I finish, you guys could probably come up with 21 sentences, 21 sentences describing all the complaints, frustrations, and reasons you're struggling in this season. I promise you. I could probably write 50 with my kids, just my kids, right? I'm sure you could write 21 sentences, opposite of what David did, of all of your frustrations and all the things you're struggling with and all your complaints, but let's flip the script. But what are, the, what are the things that you can start declaring and praising God for in this season? Man, I can just tell you, we're all still here, praise God. We're still breathing, praise God. We know who he is in his name. We know his son. We have our names written down in the book of life. We've been saved and redeemed. We're not alone. We have each other. Those are just starting. Man, I got a purpose. I got a mission. I have a ministry that God's given me. And it's not this. It's a ministry of reconciliation every single day. Man, praise God. I could write down more than 21. I could start going just unlimited amounts of things that I could praise God. That's why I think he ends the psalm with, my mouth will speak the praise of God and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. And I love, in Psalm 150, you just jump down five more psalms. It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Man, and I hope that in this season, you know that you have something to praise God for. 
And I hope in this season, it's so great just, just in this season to be able to see each one of you as we gather together to lift up the name of Jesus and praise God. And may it do what we talked about. Set our affections on who God is. Stir them for him. And bless God. That God would be praised in the gathering of his saints to praise the name and lift up the name of Jesus. And man, can I just compel you? You don't have to be here to do that. You're only here once a week. The rest of the week, may we be people that praise and lift up and extol the name of Jesus in every place that we live and everything that we do. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.